Academy Sports and Outdoors wants everyone to stay safe while doing more of what they love. So whether you're planning a fishing trip, heading to the driving range, prepping for your upcoming hunt, or firing up the grill before the big game, we have all the gear you need to enjoy more sports and outdoors. All at the prices that you're going to love. And with the curbside pickup available, it's never been easier to shop all our brands in-store and online at academy.com. Because whatever you love doing, Academy Sports and Outdoors is there to help you have more fun out there. Thanks so much for checking out uh, episode two of Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Coward along with Brent Rollins. Uh, Brent is with UGASports.com as well as ProFootballFocus.com, PFF.com to be exact. And we want you to subscribe if that is something that you're interested in. For PFF, the first time this year, you can buy college grades. $30 a year, premium at $120. And UGASports.com is $99.95 a year. Insider information on the team recruiting in all things Georgia Bulldogs. So uh, for game two, I mean, you had to be impressed. You had to be satisfied if you're a Georgia fan with what Georgia was able to do to Auburn, which was keep them to two field goals in 60 minutes. I mean, it's pretty darn impressive no matter who you're playing. But to do it to the number seven team in the nation, it's a pretty good growth from week one to week two. My takeaway, Stetson Bennett, you cannot deny that that kid is poised. He understands what it is that he's been up against as a walk-on, transferring out to Jones Community College, the JUCO route, going 10-2 and there in a bowl game, coming back, being fifth on the depth chart, literally being told by the offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, we do not see you as a starter. And not letting that discourage him, dude, that is mental strength like I've never seen out of a kid. So I have to give a good grade to Stetson Bennett and the way he handled the offense. Definitely want to give credit there. I have to give credit to the tight ends. I thought the tight ends looked good. Darnell Washington, I thought in several situations, that kid just can block. Look, that's been what tight ends have normally done at Georgia. You see the other tight end, Fitzpatrick, who is uh, scoring touchdowns and he's catching the ball. He's blocking really well, too. So I think the couple tight ends that they're using is working really well. Interesting that uh, I even text you about it, that that package where they brought in on the goal line, a tight end and as a fullback. And then you had uh, Jordan Davis from the defensive line on the line. He cleared the way for Georgia to get in into the end zones. Amir White scoring that touchdown. There's another opportunity where it's it's something that I've really not seen out of Georgia over the past few years or ever for that matter, but it looked really, really good. On the defensive side of the ball, you can't argue with anybody. I feel like Richard LeCount got robbed. His targeting call, he was clearly leading with his shoulder, trying to do the right thing. He gets tossed anyway. I couldn't believe that happened, but the defense stepped up and played really, really well. Let's hit them one by one. One, QB. I think the biggest word that you said there that you can see on the TV screen watching is poise. Yeah. Stetson Bennett very much just flatline. Hey, I'm the same no matter what's going on. That poise, that presence, and calm in the pocket. Uh, For example, one one of the third downs he hit, Kyrus Jackson. Yeah, the rollout. Inside the five. I think that one was great playmaking skills and something that he brings that you haven't seen in a while at the position at the University of Georgia. The throw to Kyrus that Kyrus made as a sliding catch inside the five, there was pressure there. And he knew he had to wait just that little bit of hair a bit longer, and he did. And I think Sapoise is the way you describe that. From a grading perspective, uh, he was 72.1 overall grade this week. He's, in terms of just his overall playmaking skills, is there. And one of the things that if we look at later, 
specifically how he's playing on third down. Who is it? Number one in the SEC, right? Uh, It's uh, after some review and I think maybe a slight bit of adjustment of the grading. He's second in the SEC, but by a hair to Mac Jones. And he's now 13 of 18 for 171 yards in the third down touchdown. You saw to Pickens. It was an absolute beautiful big time throw that he made. So, that very much played itself out. He he is now, I think, definitively the leader of your team until otherwise proven different. From the tight end perspective that you brought up, Darnell Washington is just a different human. I mean, he's he's the first off the bus type cat that you look at and you see, wow, from a physicality standpoint. And he's actually showing that. He's not just tall, big, huge, strong guy that doesn't want to block. No, he's very much a willing mm-hmm. and capable blocker. And right now in the top five or six in the whole entire FBS in terms of run block grade for tight ends with at least 50 snaps. Uh, and then you also have Fitzpatrick, who's playing well in addition to catching ball, other than I think the first throw of the game, he got on kind of a quick little in in uh, slant type route. That's right. Coverage yeah. he dropped, but other than that, playing well, catching every opportunity that he gets. It was second and six, and it, and it was. It was incomplete, but they went right back to him in the next play. It was third and six, and it was incomplete again, but I feel like there was a reason it wasn't just him dropping the ball on that third down play. The third down play was definitely overthrown, but it was good to see them you know, yeah. quickly go back, go back to him to and, and keep, keep that confidence. The goal line package you mentioned, it's one of those things where I, you'll see me from a number standpoint, from when you look at complete totality of data, Data shows that you need to spread teams out to run, mm-hmm. especially in short t- short yarded situations. However, when you have someone like Jordan Davis, who, by the way, if he really wanted to, could probably be a first round or first round type talent at tackle. Mm-hmm. He's that he has that good a feat. Wow! Uh, but you know, in terms of when you have Jordan Davis at, at one of the tight end spots, and then you bring Jalen Carter, the freshman defensive lineman, and who's a supreme athlete at fullback, until someone stops that. That becomes your go-to yeah. until someone stops it. Yeah. And what was amazing on Jordan Davis's play, the very first touchdown when he was in on the goal line, he engages the defensive line, lets Fitzpatrick then come into that guy, and then peels back and chips off onto the linebacker and basically knocks out both linebackers for Auburn. Zamir walks in for the touchdown. Yeah. So overall, defensively, you can't say enough about their defense. Yeah. Their defense is elite. The only way Auburn was going to play keeping that game whatsoever was going to four and five wide receivers, throwing the ball all around the yard, and Bo Nix, Bo Nix couldn't just just couldn't do it, and he was also pressured at an insane level. So the defense, it is what it is. It's deep. It's one of the fastest defenses in the country, and until someone from a quarterback perspective, which we might see maybe not necessarily this week, but in a couple weeks at Alabama, you're going to be, that's how they're going to be beaten is, is in the passing game constant pressure on Bo Nix. Going back to the offensive line, the backs for Georgia had such an easy time. They weren't getting touched until the second level. And then the only question that I would present to you out of everything that I saw, and look, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but there's a little bit of me that goes, okay, that was great. However, you can't keep up with Alabama and maybe even Florida scoring 27 points, three in the second half. I think you're you're 100% right. Alabama and Florida right now offensively are on a different level. Two things, though. I think both Alabama and Florida are not what they've been in the past or even – and Florida really hasn't been that way for for a while. But the line of scrimmage for both of those teams, I don't think it's as intimidating as what you might think. Okay. And I think there's some weakness on the line of scrimmage levels in both of those teams where your physicality can kind of control some of that and keep the pace, maybe even keep keep the offenses off the field. But you're still going to have to score, and they're going to get points – Kyle Pitts is going to make plays. 
Kyle Trask is going to make throws unless you pressure him. Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith are going to make yeah. plays. So those are going to be just absolute amazing games to watch and see how they play out. But very much, I, I still think that you could see a bit of throttling down from an offensive perspective. And there's a trend that uh, within play calling that I think you were a good trend that in the second half we can look at in terms of how it changed in more of a throttled down type mode. This is Bulldogs by the number. Tug Cowart along with Brent Rollins. The dog's still not using a lot of play action. I think that's the next step. I think at this point, Stetson's right around 23% of his dropbacks are play action passes. When you look at what Alabama does, when you look at what Florida does, when you look at what LSU did last year, those numbers are typically in the mid to upper 30s in terms of percent play action. Lane Kiffin, I think even his offense has put it in the 40s where they're using play action of some sort, RPO and or play action, on almost you know half of their pass snaps. So I think that's the next step is being able to use play action and then drive the ball down the field off that play action. You saw it on two consecutive throws in the game where he hit uh, Jermaine Burton, I think for one, and then hit Kyrus. Uh, on the sideline, kind of a deeper out route on the sideline where it was back-to-back play-action throws on early downs. That, I think, is the the ultimate next step for that offense where you truly become explosive then, find ways to get pickings one-on-one off of play-action. Yeah, that was the fourth series. I'm looking at it here. It was a handoff to Zamir for four, second and uh, six, handoff to Zamir for two, and then third and four, pass to Kiaris for 17, move Georgia down to the 39, and then first and 10, pass to uh, Jermaine Burton for seven, down to the 37. Ultimately, that was the one that led to the Pickens touchdown. I want to go back to one series that I could not figure out. It was in the third series. You started out with... Five handoffs between uh, Cook and White. And then you get down to uh, second and six. This would have been a pass to D-Rob for four yards. Pass to Kiaris Jackson for a gain there to the five-yard line. So you're first and goal. And then you go passing complete, passing complete, passing complete, field goal. Why did they go away from the run? That's a great question. I think I will say the very first play, I think, was a quarterback decision. If you watch the offensive line on that first play, this is the throw to Burton in the corner of the end zone where obviously Burton kind of, you know, Stetson thought he was going to the fade route. Burton went more out route. But if you watch the offensive line though, they're, they're full out blocking run. Mm -hmm. They're full out zoning left as if that's a run play. So that almost looks like a quarterback decision. Hey, if they give us the corner of the end zone, we're going to take take it it. type deal. Okay. The second down one to Pickens is the one that is a little iffy. And maybe that's just trying to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Maybe it's just experimentation with, with rollouts there a little bit. But obviously, it was a bad throw by Stetson. He, he borderline could, that could have been intercepted. He didn't put it on the outside edge or mm-hmm. didn't put it high on the outside edge. And now once once you get there, now you're pot committed. Now you're throwing the ball in third down. You're, and now what was interesting, though, I honestly thought as soon as they came out and empty, they came out and empty. They were in 11 personnel, but they had Cook split out wide to the right. They had uh, Darnell Washington wide to the right in the trips. I thought they were going to run a quarterback draw. And it Kind of maybe would have been there, but they obviously run the quick out to Kyrus that, that got knocked away. Right. One, I think the next step for them outside of play action is finding ways to use Washington in the in the passing game. Yeah. And using, especially in the red zone, and using his size because if you look back and watch who was guarding him on that play, it was someone who was probably almost eight inches to nine inches shorter than him. Yeah, he's a big kid. To where he literally could have dunked on him. Yeah. And, and it's. That, that, I think, is another step as they move forward with him. 
uh, and learn how to use him and learn how to put him in spots where he can succeed. Yeah, because they've obviously trusted Fitzpatrick a couple times. They've gone to him several times, and he scored a touchdown this season, which I don't think he did at all last year. Going to uh, Washington seems to be like a pretty natural progression to me, and, and they seem to be rotating out series if they're not both in. Yeah, and they're they're in a lot, especially when they want to run the ball. Yeah, and they bring them both in in twelve personnel. But and what's interesting about the tight ends is that you, you think about it, they don't even really have yet someone. Now he dressed out, but he didn't play. But they don't have their sort of presumed starter in Trey yeah, McKitty. Yeah, Trey McKitty, yeah, graduate graduate transfer from Florida State. So you add that to the mix, and now you can have a full healthy rotation of three tight ends that you feel pretty good about any of the three being in the game. First down efficiency, man. You cannot argue with that. No, and that was and it was horrid a week ago. It was next to last. Only Vandy was worse in the SEC on yards per play uh, on first down. Last week, I think on 33 first down plays, they averaged 3.5 yards per play. This week on 31 first down plays, that jumped up to almost seven yards a play. I think 6.8 and some change. So when you think about what that does for an offense, and by the way, a lot of it was running. It was about two-thirds of that was running. So you're getting about 20, about five yards per attempt running. But then also, when they did throw the ball, Stetson took a lot of advantage on those early downs and had explosive plays. So on first down throws, he was 7 of 10 mm-hmm. for 129 yards with five of those seven completions being what we term an explosive play in the passing game, which is at least 15 yards. So that is when you look at Alabama, when you look at LSU over the past few years – Clemson's maybe a little different just because they've had Lawrence has been so great on late downs, but Alabama and LSU specifically, these and Oklahoma, the big time offenses that you we think of that put points on the board consistently, they attack in the passing game on early downs to where it's borderline more throwing on early downs than it is running, or at least it's close to 50-50. So, you know, I think again, that's the next step, but still from an efficiency standpoint, as an offensive coordinator, you gotta be ecstatic about what you're able to do. And that kind of leads into probably what we're going to talk about next with, with the offensive line because yeah. they were a massive improvement there, both from their own execution, but as well as the fact that they were just better than Auburn. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank member FDIC. One other just quick takeaway. I noticed that they played pretty much 11, 12 personnel the entire game. They went to, if you recall last week against Arkansas, the big play was on the 20 personnel. They went to it in the fifth series, and then the play clock ran out. They called a timeout, but they oh, didn't yep. go back to it. Correct. Didn't yeah. notice that as well. And you didn't see it again in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Cook, Cook got hurt uh, and, and was not in there. And By the way, McIntosh, I think, was in for that sna- that before they called a timeout. But still, I think they would prefer probably to do that with, with James Cook, and with both James Cook and Zamir White on the field, or James Cook and Kenny McIntosh, kind of putting both of their 
uh, receiving type option uh, backs uh, in that in that formation. But it's something hopefully we see moving forward. I hope so. The beauty is that Stetson is not a runner. He's not a dual threat quarterback, but he has the ability to move. We saw it in the in the rollout play that we were talking about earlier, just being athletic and, and throwing a pass to Kiaris Jackson on the roll. Yeah, very much so. He's a good athlete, and you got to be able to use it, especially in short yardage. That's the key. I, I want to see. That's when I want to see it is when you when something when the ground game is not working or when things aren't really going well, and you got a third and two, third and three. All right, let's put it in there and give him a decision where he's can give or keep and, and put the defense in conflict. And use his head because it's clearly uh, very level and, and yes. he doesn't get rattled easily. Maybe there's been no reason to get rattled at this point. No. The moment's not too big for him. So uh, going back to line of scrimmage and the, the fact that they dominated there, there was no pressure on Stetson at all. Maybe that's why he doesn't have any reason to be shaken. Outside the one we talked about where, you know, the, obviously the one that a lot of people remember if they watched the game, the spin out when he yeah. had the free rusher, yeah, uh, where he did a good job sliding protection there and knowing he's got the free rusher and knowing he has to make a move and he quickly spun out and then made the play to Kiaris. But outside of that, he was pressured on six of 29 dropbacks. Yeah. It was, I think, they only, and what's interesting is when you look at who gave up those pressures, it was not necessarily offensive linemen. You have a couple from the two or three, four, I think, out of the out of the seven total pressures that the offense allowed were on backs. Okay. So, you know, it's, we track that as well, just, you know, and a lot of times people think, oh, if there's high pressure numbers, it's always the offensive line. Well, not necessarily because backs and tight ends are frequently used in pass protection and a lot of the pressures this past week were, were attributed to the back. So still though, in total, when you're only in pressure six to 29, especially when you compare that to what Bo Nix had to go through Saturday, it's a big deal for your, for your offensive line. It's a big deal for your quarterbacks, a big deal for your offense in general. Yeah. Bo Nix, let's go to that because he stayed under pressure the entire game. He was on the run constantly. Yeah. And it's what was interesting about it is like, if you look just at the sheer numbers, he was pressured on half his dropbacks, 22 of 44. And when he was pressured, he was six of nineteen for fifty yards and had the interception. So it obviously affected him as it as it does any quarterback. Yeah, sure. When you pressure quarterback on average, it drops passer rating about thirty points. But still, what was interesting though about it, especially early in the second half after the the toll that in even early to mid or middle to late second quarter, is he was bailing when there wasn't when there was just a slight hint of pressure. Right. And he it, didn't need goes. to bail from the pocket. You're so concerned that you're about to get sacked or somebody's coming after you that you that you start moving even when you don't need to. And it's the strength. I think it's the absolute strength of the team this year, more so than in years past. The, the guys have been there. The talent and the ability has been there. But this year, you're actually seeing the production. Now, granted, Auburn had a brand new offensive line, Arkansas not necessarily in terms of the strongest from, from an offensive line standpoint. They get a whole new animal this week with Tennessee, who actually is relatively talented uh, along the offensive line and has a lot of experience there. But now they're pressuring teams. Their overall pressure rate is right around 41% right now, which is 10th in the FBS. And that when you start getting into those numbers of your pressure rate and your own what's called what we term pass rush win percentage, which is you might – you know, this is the defensive player beating the offensive tackle or beating the offensive guard, but not necessarily getting a pressure on the play because the ball is already out or the quarterback scrambles or something. But when you do those things and get into that level, now you're getting into what Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and those teams have traditionally been in terms of pressure rates. Let's go to uh, the defensive side of the ball and look at the corners because Georgia really looks solid. You had guys that were turning around, finding the ball, batting it down. Yes and no. I will say this. The one where you're talking about where Tyson Campbell actually turned his head around yeah. 
and knock the ball away on the sort of far left, the towards the student section of the stadium. Right. It was glorious to see. Yes, beautiful. It was one of those where you know, we haven't seen that. And I think you can tell from the fact that we see it from all their corners is that's how they're taught. They're taught to sort of play through the ball as opposed to getting their head around and, and playing the ball specifically. So it was great to see that. But in general, there was a few instances where ugh, iffy, their Auburn drops, uh, DJ Daniel got beat a couple times, but you know Bo Nix overthrew Swartz on one that could have been a big long touchdown, and then you know Seth Williams dropped what would have been a touchdown right there uh, in the sort of left corner of the end zone. So overall, I think the the depth and what the play that they're getting there is excellent, and they're right there. It's just a matter of you know that's the I think that's the the great equalizer in college football and really in any level of football now is great wide receivers and accurate quarterbacks. Is, and that's what you're going to face specifically at Alabama in a couple weeks, but, you know, and possibly even a little bit this, this week at Tennessee, but, because they've been playing well on the outside more so than what we've thought, but it's going to be a test. It's going to be a continual test all season, but they have depth and they have guys that they can put in now. They have three legit, really good corners. And if they can keep that and sustain that level of play, not get beat deep, those sort of things, they're going to be just fine there. Do you feel like Georgia's corners can keep up with Alabama's wide receivers? I don't know that anyone's going to keep up with Jalen exactly. Waddle. That's my, that guy that's my is worry. on another level yeah. in terms of speed, ability, explosion. It's just he's a he's a different animal uh, in terms of that that the speed that he brings. So it's going to be tough, and you're going to have to see. I think you're going to see a lot of physicality. Uh, and you know press press man to coverage on those guys to where they don't get free releases they don't the timing is off in some way shape or form because if you throw the timing off a little bit maybe the qb holds the ball that extra count and you're able to get to them uh but i think for the most part kirby knows how to defend yeah. alabama as well as anyone but again sometimes they're just better in that scenario just talking about their wide receivers against our corners that is the uh, obvious other than quarterback I mean and look whether you like Stetson or where you don't like Stetson whether you like Mac you don't like Mac you got an Alabama quarterback that may not be super sexy but he's quite efficient yeah he's he's playing super well actually I think the highest graded passer in the SEC right now uh, and if you saw some of that game obviously because it was before the Georgia game was already but his deep ball is on point consistently. And when you have somebody like Jalen Waddle that are just yeah, go chuck it out there too, and we'll go and get it, uh, it, it makes for success. And they're actually, you know, adding, you know, more and more, finding out who, more and more playmakers each week. So it, it, their offense is, is legit. That's for sure. Bulldogs by the numbers. Tug Coward along with uh, Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus College and UGASports.com. Notice in the uh, the fourth, they're getting a lot of reps for the young guys that already sealed the game. You already knew you were going to win. They brought in Dejon Edwards. They brought in uh, Kenny McIntosh. But the beast, Kendall Milton, that's a kid that they really want to get some experience because he's going to be an incredible back for Georgia. You look at him, and that's and he's one that, to me, jumps off the tape when you watch him. And I'm sure every Georgia fan, especially when he broke a few tackles near the sideline, he, his number starts with a two. He's a true freshman playing in his first game at home. It gave Georgia fans kind of visions of Nick Chubb against mm-hmm. Clemson as a mm-hmm. freshman. Yeah. But, and it's just the running style. The eyes always forward, people bouncing and being around him doesn't seem to affect him in the little bit of carries he got. He was actually the highest graded runner uh, this past weekend. Wow. And both him or all the, all the backs other than James Cook. So, Cook had five carries, but outside of him, so Milton, Zamir White, 
Kenny McIntosh, Jason Edwards, all forced missed tackles in the running game. And that was something that was missing against uh, Arkansas the first week. So when we at PFF, we evaluate running back play, you think about how much of running back play is dependent upon the offensive line. There's so many factors. Right. And we look at yards before, yards after contact. And when you're getting a lot of yards after contact, sometimes it's your line's not playing well, or sometimes it's your back's doing a lot of work on their own and each back getting you know anywhere from three to four yards per carry after contact that's a good sign for them moving forward it's a good good game to get those guys experience because you never know cook went down early in this game now you got to give kenny mcintosh a little more run if, if he's your third back kendall milton starting to get healthy had a hammy issue or early on or early in this earlier in the summer. So that stable backs is something that they've always had at Georgia and something I think they're always going to continually have at Georgia. And it's, and it's good to see those guys get experience and see their ability and because they got it. And especially when you look at Milton, he's one that to me gives you those Nick Chubb type vibes. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, uh, the first time I remember seeing him in the game, it was a gain of four. It was uh, the seventh series starting the, the first series after halftime. He had a handoff on second and seven, went for about four. And then in the uh, eighth series, it was first and 10, the handoff to him for 10. And one of the cool things about the 10, run, the 10 yard run that you talked about, uh, and we highlighted that one of the things uh, we do each week at UGASports.com is we do a segment called Film Don't Lie, myself and Dane Young, where we kind of combine video clips with analysis and a lot of the, the data, some of the things that maybe that we even talk about a little bit, but that play was a scheme play that you hadn't seen in the past where you have some form of jet type motion, jet sweep type motion mm. coming across the formation and then counter pull lead type action going back the other way. That hasn't been in UGA's offensive rep- repertoire in the past. It's something that we even highlighted in the off season, like, Hey, in terms of borrowing concepts from other teams, that's a play, that's an exact play that the Kansas City Chiefs run and and have gotten a lot of yard, yardage running off of that play that Georgia actually ran it about three other times in the game, averaged about seven to eight yards per carry on that concept. So you're starting to see more movement along the offensive line. Matt Luke coming over as the offensive line coach and bringing that kind of vibes and things that you've seen at the pro level with Monken and his offense. So it's good to see any when you add any kind of diversity in the running game and allow def, or have defensive linemen thinking in their head, "Hey, I might get down blocked here. I might. I'm not going to get just zone block right or zone block left." It, it, it helps an offense. It helps an offense be efficient, especially in the running game. Final guy we'll highlight on the show today: Bulldogs by the numbers. Tug Coward, along with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus College and UGASports.com, is a guy by the name of Adam Anderson. Pretty impressive game against Auburn, huh? Very much so. And w- one of the things there's probably been a lot of folks who, over time, have wondered where has he been? Why is he not getting more snaps? Former five-star recruit. Long, lean, pass rushing specialist. Well, you know, his size has kind of limited him in terms of snaps. He doesn't really play much, but on third down, almost 70% of his career snaps have been on third or fourth down. But when you talk about his evolution and what he's done as a pass rusher, he gets to the quarterback. In this game, five pressures, sacks, a couple quarterback hits on on just 11 pass rush snaps over his career. He's in the 25 to 30% pressure range when he's – rushing the passer so you and you saw one time even he the offensive tackle kind of set out set or set out too far and he shoved them with his inner half the red sort of the reggie white club type move and you know adding those things to your repertoire as a pass rusher and the things that he can bring on third down for that team allowed them to be much more diversified on defense and you that was the thing that's fascinating to me to watch 
on third down, and as there was a couple instances where each defensive lineman was standing up. Rarely, yes, I remember rarely seeing that. Seen yes. That. Yes. Rarely in the past have we seen that where every single one of them, we've seen a one or two be up or the edge guys be up standing up. But even the first third down of the game uh, that Tyreek uh, Stevenson broke up, every single pass rusher is, is standing up. And from an, when you're facing a, an offensive line, especially a younger offensive line like Auburn had, you're going to cause confusion and get free rushers. And they did that. And it's something I think you'll see continually throughout the year, especially with the athletes they bring in with Trayvon Walker, with the freshman Jalen Carter, and also having guys like Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, Jermaine Johnson, Aziz Ojolari, those guys, just big, strong, physical athletes, fast. It's going to be fun to watch them, especially on third downs. The one thing that Kirby did before we wrap, the one thing Kirby said was that he was unhappy with the way Georgia performed against third downs. He felt like that uh, they gave up too many first downs to Auburn. Uh, I mean, I think in general, he's probably, they were, and that's how Auburn was able to stay only had, what, two possessions of, of meaning before the last possession that ran out of the clock in the second half. And he was, he probably wants to see that rate and them get off the field, the offense get more possessions. And, and What's interesting, I mean, even certain times, Auburn helped them with drops uh, in, in certain instances. But you know, it's one of those things where I, I, him as a coach, he's there's always going to be something that you can get better, and that's probably what he's going to be able to stress this week. Hey, we got to be able to get off the field all the time on third down. Give our offense the ball. Yeah. Give our offense more chances. Yeah, and Can't that, allow 12, 13 play drives. Right, and that uh, gives you the opportunity to score. And when we started the show, that was what we were talking about. And the fact, can you keep up with Alabama or Florida scoring 27, only three in the second half? And the answer is no. And that's probably, yeah, you're right. That's what he's after. But uh, yeah, six of 13, the defense was against Auburn for third down. And, and if you think about it, Tennessee, I think, is probably a little better than Auburn right now. Would you agree with that? I think that's probably, especially along the line of scrimmage, Not maybe not necessarily on the defensive line, but very much so on the offensive line. They have depth and, and strength in the offensive line now that they didn't have in the past. They have two really good running backs in Gray and Chandler. So, you know, it's very much, I think, that part of the game. But running the ball, it's, it's strength on strength. Georgia's defense does not give up rushing yards, and, and they're so tough to run against, and primarily just because they're so gap sound. Their run fits – are as good as any college team in the nation, as good as any NFL team for that matter, in terms of having guys in the gap they're supposed to be in and not allowing sort of gaping holes uh, for the running backs to run through. That's good coaching there. Very much so. And it's something you can tell that is stressed immensely. want to encourage you, if you like what we're talking about, uh, you can get it with a subscription to uh, Pro Football Focus College or at UGASports.com. PFF.com is where you get Pro Football Focus. First time this year, you can get those college grades. $30 a year and premium starts at $120. UGASports.com, $99.95 a year. If you're a Bulldogs fan, well worth it. Make that your Christmas present. I mean, you don't need another, uh, another shirt this year. Use that hundred dollars to uh, to get it. Hey, we're in the fourth quarter, man, of the year. We're about done with twenty twenty. Thank goodness. You're starting to think about things you want to get somebody for Christmas, or you want to get yourself a present. This may be it. UGA Sports, hey, it's one of the, like those white elephant gifts. Yes, elephant there you gifts. go. Like one month, just get somebody one month. Get them hooked. Absolutely, get all kinds of uh, insider information on the team recruiting. And all things dogs. For Brett Rollins, Tug Cowart, thank you for checking out our podcast, Bulldogs by the Numbers. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. 
or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.